Welcome to The Art of Medicine, the program that explores the arts, business, and clinical aspects of the practice of medicine. I'm Dr. Andrew Wilner, and today I have a very good friend, Dr. Michael Weisberg, joining us on the program. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Well, Dr. Weisberg and I did a ReachMD program, I guess it must be about two years ago, on his first novel, and we're going to talk today about his second novel. So what's it about, and why did you write it, and, and how do you squeeze in a novel in between, uh, you know, colonoscopies? <laughs> I guess that's... So what's the title of this second novel, Mike? The second novel is called In the End, and uh, this is a picture of the book right here. And before I get into that, I just want to congratulate you on your book, The Locum Life, and on your designation, your honors as being named one of the top 20 medical podcasts in America, Andrew. So you've been busy too. So yeah, that was great. That was a, both of those things, and the latter was quite a pleasant surprise. And Very for anyone listening, for people who like to listen, I am in the process of recording an audio book for The Locum Life. So I'm on That's chapter great. six. I decided, well, you know, who better to narrate it, right? Because I, I know <laughs> what it says, but I've had to learn a whole lot about the audio world. And it's it's been uh, like a deep dive into uh, decibels and RMS and things I don't know anything about, but I'm learning really fast. So thank you very much. Sure, sure. Now you very are... Proud practicing full-time, correct? You're a full-time? I'm practicing full-time as a gastroenterologist. I'm in my 30th year now, Andrew. And of course, with the COVID virus, it's changed things. I'm now doing most of my office through um, video uh, messaging with my patients. We have them call in and we set up a video so that I can see them as well as talk to them. And um, it's a little bit different, but now that I've gotten used to it over the last three months, I've enjoyed it. And I think the patients enjoy it as well. It's a slower pace. It's more of a, just a talking and um, it's been good. Of course, the hospital has gotten a lot busier with the COVID and um, that's changed things also to walk around all day doing procedures. I do procedures some days, eight or nine hours, wear a mask, a uh, shield, gowns, things like that can be exhausting, but we're learning to live with it and adapting to it. And hopefully things aren't going to be this way that much longer. And I guess you have a much longer colonoscope. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We, we, take, we really take every precaution. All of our patients are tested for COVID 48 hours before any procedure. We take further precautions and that no one in the family or nobody else except for the patient can come up to our endoscopy center. They have to wait in the car and we bring them down to the car and put them in the car when we're done. So it, we, it's changed things, but we're adapting. I think that's one of the main things about being a doctor and practicing medicine is that you learn to adapt. Things change over time. The knowledge in medicine constantly changes. You constantly have to learn new things and new techniques. And now something like this, the COVID virus has made a lot of 
changes, and I think that we've adapted to that. And you're in uh, Dallas, Texas, right? Yes, I actually practice in a city north of Dallas called Plano, which is just north of Dallas, and I practice in a hospital, Medical City Plano Hospital, and that's the same hospital I've been at for 30 years. And I work, I have five people in my group that I work with, so there's six of us all together. And for, the, for those uh, watching and listening, today is July 8, and uh, I'm in Memphis, Tennessee, and we are having a big surge of uh, COVID. We have, as of yesterday, we 42 of our hospital beds out of the 300 beds where I work uh, were COVID positive patients. And I know Texas, I know Houston is a big hotspot, and I presume that Dallas is uh, as well. It is. It is, Andrew. And it's very disappointing to me as a physician to see that this has happened because I think it's something that could have been prevented. I really think that if things had been done, the leadership had started when the first um, ideas of this came out, when the first thoughts and knowledge of this, that we could have prevented this. It had to be jumped on just like other viruses and other pandemics have been jumped on, like AIDS and SARS and things like that. But it wasn't. And even now, four months into the pandemic, there's still a question of what's the leadership? Who do we follow? We hear different things from the president and his people as far as this is just going to go away over time. Our governor has opened the state, started closing the state and said, don't wear masks, do wear masks. Our local leaders have different opinions also. There's not one central organization that basically has attacked this the way America usually does when we face wars, which I consider this a war, since it's killed more people than both the wars in Vietnam and Korea combined. There's been no central person or people to act and say, this is the way we're going to defeat this war. And like when Roosevelt had the fireside chats during World War II, it calmed the people down. It gave them an idea yes, we're working on this. There are better days ahead. That's not coming out either. And it's amazing the number of people that I do these virtual visits with who one of the first things they say to me is how down they are and how they can't see their friends and how this has changed their lives. And it's a big deal for them. It's a big deal for all the people who couldn't graduate. I had a, two uh, children who couldn't graduate or have graduations due to this, one from medical school and one from college. But most importantly, it's bad deal for the people that have died from this. 130,000 people and counting, the number one country in the world. I really feel that if either you or I, Andrew, today were given the license, given the position to say, okay, you pick out 10 people from the country, the top 10 people in these different fields, that we could reverse this and that within the next 30 to 90 days that this could get better and not be the kind of problem that it is. But it has taken over our country, unlike anything that I've seen. And again, I trained in the AIDS epidemic in the 80s. That's when I started was in training. And I've seen these other things come, the Ebola virus, these other things. And it's such a disappointment that the proper leadership wasn't there to guide us through this and to keep it from happening. All right. Well, with that as a backdrop and perhaps a fodder for a, a future novel, <laughs> I, I want you to 
and I, I can see you're not shy with an opinion, and, and I understand that there is some, there's a theme, right, in your book. T tell me about the book. What's it about? The book came about because people, patients, when I put them to sleep to ask, for colonoscopy, I'd always ask them if they had any questions. Most of them would say, no, let's just get this over with. Some would say, yes, when do I eat? But occasionally I'd be asked the question, what's the meaning to life, Dr. Weisberg? And I thought they were joking, and I basically blew it off until finally, after a period of years, I said, well, what is the meaning to life? And I took it seriously. And my first idea was that I came up with was there is no one meaning to life. It's what gives meaning to your life, to the individual life. And part of the book, the first part of the book really looks at that as five characters and it looks at their lives and you really get to know these people very well. Four of the five were in the medical profession and the fifth turns out to be their patient. But then I said, I'm not comfortable with that answer. I'm not comfortable saying that there is no one meaning to life. And I said, I'm gonna search for it. And that's what the book is about, that search and finding an answer that I'm comfortable with. Along the way, I tackle many other things, uh, themes and different ideas, things that are going on in uh, the world, including, for example, racism. Uh, basically, one of the meaning to life, meaning to life, part of the meaning to life that I come up with is that we're all brothers and sisters. We're all part of the same family. We all need to support one another. It doesn't matter if you're black, brown, white, it just doesn't matter. Everyone is the same and we're all the same. And if you give everyone an equal playing field, then everyone can be successful. And so that's one of the things that I found out. And I think that's very pertinent because what is going on in the world now. I also look at other things. I look at other topics that are you know, pertinent in life today, abuse, um, homosexuality, sexual preference, things like that, and try to weigh in on what my ideas and feelings are but also leave enough there that the person who reads the book can form their own opinions about what they think I'm, the book is saying to them. I've had people come up to me after reading the book and say, you know, after I read your book, I dreamed about it for weeks and not one dream was the same. So I think that it's the kind of book that inspires thought in people, makes them think about what their life is like, what they're trying to accomplish, but also what the world around them is all about. You know, you have a very unique perspective as a physician who performs colonoscopy. And for those non-medical people, why don't you tell us what a colonoscopy is for, for the non-medical people who just might not understand? Okay, sure. A colonoscopy, we use a lighted tube that has a television camera on the end of it. And we see it, watch everything on a big screen where it's magnified 16 times. And we go around the entire colon, which is the large intestine, which is about four and a half to six feet in size. And we look at it inch by inch, looking for polyps. Polyps are the growths that can turn into cancer. And it's been shown that by removing these polyps, either by electrocautery or by biopsy, we can reduce the risk of colon cancer by about 60%. It's really one of the few screening tests available it has definitely shown a benefit. There's a lot of other screening tests out there, but colon cancer screening and colonoscopy has a tremendous benefit. The patient is asleep while the procedure is done. It would be uncomfortable to them if they were awake while it's done. 
and it usually takes approximately 30 minutes to do. Afterwards, they're watched for about 30 minutes. And then as I mentioned, now with COVID, we take them right down to the car and put them in the car. But the purpose of it is to look for polyps, but it's also used to diagnose other diseases. For example, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease. These are inflammatory diseases that can affect the colon. Both of those we use the colonoscopy to diagnose. And also, of course, colon cancer, although hopefully we do the colonoscopy before that happens. So uh, thank, thanks for that very clear explanation. But the reason I asked is uh, you've talked about race. People have different colors, genders, sexual preference. When you look inside of a person with this scope, is there any difference? None. We're identical. So there you go. <laughs> You're exactly, exactly so, right. And you looked exactly at right. hundreds, thousands? Well, I've been doing it now for uh, 33 years. And I would probably say I do at least about 1,500 a year. So I think that would put me well over 50,000. And well, I, I think you've got a good sample, a pretty yes, solid experimental 50,000 cases and no difference. So no that, difference at all. Everyone's the same. We're all made the same. And that's why if we could all understand that and if we could get rid of things like racism, I even in the book talk about religion and how religion has is a means of separation for people and what my thoughts are for that. Is it really worthwhile to separate people on the basis of tiny differences in belief? When I think most of us believe in the goodness of man to his fellow man and whether or not we believe in a God, I think a lot of us believe in God as a superior being, but whether or not we do that, how, what would God want from us? And I think what he would want from us is us, if anything, is to treat each other well. Let me ask you something less uh, philosophical. As, as a fellow writer, I struggle to find time to write. First, you have to think about what you actually want to say, but then somehow just sitting at the desk and doing it, very hard to carve out that time. How do, how do you do it? Well, I, like you, and I'm sure very similar, I think about it beforehand, I basically outline it on my mind, brief outline on a legal pad. And by the time I sit down to write, I can write for eight to 14 hours straight because I have it that well planned out of what I wanted to do. And I find the time on the weekend. Now all my children are grown in, in college or medical, or excuse me, college or residency, I should say. And so I have the time to sit down and write, and I enjoy it. It's something that to me is exhilarating. Creating something that hasn't existed before is exhilarating, and I enjoy it. And I enjoy the feedback that I get from people who read it, and I enjoy talking to them about it. Now, if, if I wanted to buy the book, where would I find it? You could find it on Amazon.com, as well as on BarnesandNoble.com, and at Barnes and Noble bookstores. Now, Mike, before before we finish, uh, are you planning another book? Just just so I can budget time to to read that <laughs> one in the future. Well, you know, I'm always planning. 
I just fin I've just finished working on an article that's going to appear in the October Journal of Clinical Nutrition, which I'm co-authoring with a Dr. Carol Ireton Jones, who's a famous uh, nutritionist who lives in this area. She and I wrote the article on irritable bowel syndrome. So that will be in the Journal of Clinical Nutrition in October. November, I'm taking my 30-year boards. You know, every 10 years, we have to recertify in internal medicine. So I'm kind of putting my, I, am, I do have some writing projects that I'm working on, but right now I'm putting them on hold as I'm starting to gear up to take the boards. But I will be, I'm working on a screenplay that will involve time travel. I'm working on a sequel to The Hospitalist, which was my first book. And then I'm also working on another book with which I'm doing with a collaborator, which I'm not going to get into at this time because I think it's going to be a big surprise. Mike, that sounds good. I was concerned you were going to run out of things to do, but now <laughs> you're a busy guy and you're efficient with your projects and have uh, two successful fiction books and a nonfiction article coming out. So, uh, very uh, congratulations to you. Thanks, Andrew, and congratulations to you and on all the things that you do. And uh, like I've told you before, you're the best. You should be on television. I always enjoy talking to you, and it's, it's just great. It really well, is. For those of you who are listening on this podcast, there's also a YouTube version, so you can actually see us uh, uh, in person. And this program is on YouTube and uh, audio podcast, whichever one you prefer. And it comes out every two weeks. And I guarantee that two weeks from now, we will have a guest almost as exciting as Dr. Weisberg. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Andrew. And it's like I said, it's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's always a pleasure to see what you're doing. You're the ultimate Renaissance man. And the things that you've done and accomplished in your life, I think, are something that all doctors should look at and say, what a, what a way to live your life and what a way to accomplish and do the things that you've done. I salute you. Mike, I want to thank you very much for uh, joining me on The Art of Medicine. Uh, thank you. It's been my pleasure.